You are tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I am truly grateful for each of you for tuning in today. And support for this podcast comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. I begin today's episode with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Success means we go to sleep at night knowing that our talents and abilities were used in a way that served others. While I have you folks, before I begin this episode, get out there and share this podcast with friends, family. Send us some feedback of who you would like to see on this podcast. You can do it through our Instagram channel, Facebook, or send us an email to connect at the jacksonholeconnection.com. And welcome to episode number 242. Today's guest is a singer, songwriter, handyman, a guy who knows how to survive here in Jackson Hole, Isaac Hayden. Locals should recognize his name and maybe some non-locals do as well. Isaac has played the circuit here in Jackson Hole at the bars, here in the region, weddings, corporate events. Well, Isaac has taken the leap in his past to create his own album and has actually published several single releases too. And in my humble opinion, allowing yourself to be on stage and be vulnerable to an audience takes an enormous amount of confidence and bravery. I give it up to anybody who gets up on stage and performs because trust me, you don't want to hear me sing on stage. And I tell you what, Isaac has done it and continues to do so. And he shares with us today what you don't see from the stage, but more of what is behind the curtain of a person giving it all to make life in Jackson Hole as a musician. Hey, Isaac, thanks for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's delightful to have some of your time today. Thanks for having me, Stefan. You're, you're very welcome. And I like to begin, I have begun every single episode of people sharing where they're born and raised. So I'm going to let you start off by sharing um, where'd you come into this world and uh, get to run around and get dirty as a kid. All right. Yeah. Um, well, I was born in Sacramento, California, I'm 1980. And my dad was a preacher's, like an assistant preacher at a church, big mega church down there. Anyway, he ended up getting a job up in the San Juan Islands, Friday Harbor to be more specific. And so we moved up there when I was about a year and a half. And I had most of my formative childhood years there on Friday Harbor, all the way till I was 13. And then my parents decided uh, the island was a little too small for myself and my two younger twin brothers. And they'd started looking for another church. And it turns out Jackson Hole, Wyoming didn't have a Presbyterian church at that time. So we came out, visited, and everybody liked it. And my dad decided to pack us up and bring us out here. And so I went to my eighth grade year and then high school here in Jackson. And yeah, that's how I got in the Valley. And now I'm back after living all around the country and now I'm back. Well, welcome back, Isaac. Thanks. So your dad helped start the Presbyterian church here in town? He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With a group of uh, local Presbyterian supporters, I guess they, mm -hmm. they banded together and hired him on as the first preacher. 
what's it what was it like growing up um around here in this area as a the son of a preacher well i don't have a lot to contrast it to but it was it was great i mean every sunday you know you have a community of people that you see every week and that are interested in you and interested in supporting you and encouraging you to grow and i think the coolest part for me was when i got a little older the the church had a piano and i had a couple buddies and my dad would let me come down after hours at night and play the piano and just sing in the in the whole auditorium and that was really fun for me i think a big part of my musical development was having access to that i'm a terrible piano player but it was fun to just like bang away and come up with stuff yeah <laughs> but you got to play that's all right yeah totally so and i've heard a lot about the san juan islands but i'm not that familiar could you describe the san juan islands a little bit for folks sure well it's there's a whole bunch of killer whales up in that area the movies free willy were filmed up there and actually when i was a kid me and some buddies auditioned for one of the free willy movies to be like some hillbilly background kids we didn't get the part but uh that, that was big time for us and I mean, it's very small. It's, it kind of reminds me of like Hobbitland in Lord of the Rings. And it's like that, but a fishing village as well. It's small. It's a lot of tourism, a lot of boating and sailing. I, I spent a lot of time on the docks catching shrimp off the side of the docks. And yeah, it's, it's, it's small and it's a little bit rural feeling. But uh, similar to Jackson with so much tourism, you get a lot of diversity that rolls through. So it's a wonderful place. It's super, super beautiful, uh, worth a visit if you're in the Seattle area. You know, it's like an hour ferry ride, an hour drive, an hour ferry ride from Seattle. So it's really cool. Sounds like the place where you could just leave the house during the day and show up at night for dinner and it was all totally. good. That was it. Yep. Yeah, it got awesome. a lot of trouble. Good kind of trouble, you know, but yeah, <laughs> little kid trouble. <laughs> I mean, I remember I grew up in a small town and we would show up to our house and my mom would hose us down before she'd let us in the house sometimes. (laughs) We weren't in trouble. She's just like, you're too dirty to come to the house. Yeah, it's a full day right there. It was. Nice work. Um, Just be able to hop on your bike and just go for it and not worry about much of anything else. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said you've lived around the country in other places. Where else has your heart taken you? Well, um... In college, I I went to Spokane, Washington for a year, and I played some college basketball up there. Um, That was great. And then after that, I dropped out of college and started pursuing music. It took me down to Southern California. Um, I lived in San Diego and Costa Mesa, L.A. area for a while. And then I re-entered college back, and I went to Florida State University at Tallahassee. My best Mm. friend was there, and he... I was looking for a place to land and he invited me. So I lived there for a minute and then back to Jackson. And then uh, I moved to Nashville for about 10 years. And I lived there from about 09 to, well, off and on from 09 to the late, you know, maybe 2018, somewhere in that area. And, uh, and then I came back to Jackson. So that's been mostly where I've lived with maybe a few short stints in other spots. But yeah, I've been in Jackson now about six years since I came back. And I, I take it, what took you to Nashville? So it turns out it was music. On the island I grew up on, Friday Harbor, 
the lady who babysat me ended up marrying a really, really great uh, music engineer. And when I recorded my first two albums here in Jackson, my dad sent them out to some family friends, one of which was her family, and she passed it on to her husband. And he, he ended up being like a multi-Grammy winning uh, mixing engineer. Mm. And we started a correspondence and I would send him everything I wrote all the time, you know, just I'd send him a batch of songs and he was kind enough to respond, you know, with critiques, generally mostly critiques saying like, this isn't very good or <laughs> keep trying, you know, keep writing. It's, this is getting better or whatever. And we did that for maybe two years. And then finally he said, you know, you should, you should come out here, man. You should move out here. And so I did, I, I dropped everything and took a chance and moved out there. I lived in his studio for a couple months before I found a place to live. And, um, I just, I learned a lot from him. It was really great. And that, that's basically why I went to Nashville or how I got there anyway. So it turned into a whole bunch of other stuff, but that was my foot in the door anyway. Well, we certainly have some time for you to describe what that other stuff was. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I'll say, you know, I guess my first experience that I remember was I went to the Bluebird Cafe, which have you heard of that? Mm, I think I have from when I was in Nashville and I was on the strip. Okay. Would I have, would I have seen it on the strip? It's not on the strip, but it's as well known as, as the strip is, uh, it's, it's more like off in a side part of town, but it's a really famous songwriting cafe basically. And what they do is they put four artists in a round and they go around and one artist will play a song then the next artist will play their song. And it is, it's really famous for all, all the songwriters in Nashville will go play there. So the people you've never, you know, you've heard the big artist, Tim McGraw sing a famous song, but then go to the bluebird and you hear the guy that wrote it sing it. And I went there and I, I sat through four songs, one from each artist. And I remember this guy named Eric Pasley, he played a song. And after he played it, I was just like, can I swear on here? What's the, what's the deal with swearing? No swearing. I, I emphatically. Oh, on the podcast. I, yeah. I didn't know if you were asking about how you asked him about, uh, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I um, wanted to emphasize you, my, yeah, yeah. You can throw a word out every now and then. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, I, I was basically just like, holy shit, this, this is the real deal. These guys are amazing. I actually left. I sat through four songs and then I left. I, I went home and immediately started trying to write better songs because I, I realized that the level of artistry there and songwriting craft was just, it was, it was new to me. It was a whole different level than I was used to. And so. That took me to, uh, I just started playing in different little, they're called songwriter nights and you know, they have stuff for famous people. And then they got stuff for nobodies like me. And, uh, I, I played a bunch of those all around and you sort of, I sort of organically began meeting people in the city and being invited to different songwriting nights. And, and then eventually, uh, I sang a few songs in front of a artist named Shelly Fairchild. And she was kind of a Nashville staple and she invited me to open a couple shows for her. And that was sort of how I branched out even further. And I don't know, it kind of just kept going like that. You, you meet people, they hear your songs, they like you, they might invite you to do something. And I really enjoyed Nashville. A lot of people think of it as more of a competitive community, but I found it to be more uh, an embracing community. It was a cool experience. I love Nashville still. And where did, you know, that introduction where, um, you were invited to open for, for that singer, where did that take you? Well, not too far, <laughs> but uh, you know, just 
I, I then I got some more opportunities. Like uh, I guess I got to open a couple shows for Keb Mo out of that. Um, Keb Mo is a kind of a famous blues yeah. artist. Have oh, you yeah. heard of him? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, it, it's a strange community there because you have all these really influential people tucked away, and you know you wouldn't know that they're there, but there's 20 people in the room, and one of them's a famous songwriter and artist. And so th that was one thing. And then on the side of that, I found a really cool artistic community that was based out of a venue called The Building. And mm -hmm. they did a Monday night, open mic night, essentially, but there would be a featured artist every Monday. And uh, the whole group of us, probably 30 or 40 artists would go there every Monday. And we really developed a strong uh, chemistry and community. And um, through that, came a lot of connections and uh, just friendships. Some of those people went on to be successful. Other people quit or realtors now or whatever. I don't know. There was a lot of different little mini adventures in my time in Nashville that were, that were <laughs> served different purposes. And mm -hmm. yeah. And do you see yourself as songwriter and singer? Yeah, I guess that's what I've been is uh, I write my own songs and I perform them as an artist, but I've, I've had some songs recorded by other people as well, which has been really cool, an honor. But yeah, primarily I, I'd say I'm a songwriter artist would be what I've been uh, for most of my career. And how do other artists find your songs to perform? I mean, there's so many songs that are out there. Totally. I think most of it is uh, word of mouth through the community or, you know, maybe they come to a show and they see you perform or you have a friend who's their friend and they say, Hey man, you got to hear this song. Or I think this would be perfect for you. That's one way. And then another way is through a publishing company. If you have a publisher, which I, I had a publisher for a few years and what a publisher does is they'll pitch your songs to artists. They try and find a good match, kind of like a, you know, a, a Cupid of sorts of artist songwriter. But yeah, for me, it was always just right place, right time, and or a friend of a friend, that kind of thing, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's it feel like when another artist picks up your song? It's really cool. It's, I think it can be a, like a duel. I mean, first, it's, a, it's an honor, I'd say, as a songwriter, to write a song that someone else connects to enough that they might want to record it for themselves. And then it's also maybe a little unnerving because you, you're not sure uh, how their version is going to suit your own personal expectations for that song but i don't know i think that's a lesser a lesser thing I, I think mostly it's just exciting that you want it's cool to hear somebody else's version of something that you created so i think for me it's always been an exciting thing regardless of how it turns out and while you were in nashville did you cut a record or reach some yeah. life goals of of that nature yeah yeah, I did. I, I had a few goals. Um, I first, I had a, f a mutual friend here in Wyoming that connected me to a guy out there who had a, a recording or like a live music venue in his, in his loft apartment. Really strange, but he would have, he would do concerts in his apartment and, um, he ended up putting a stage in and all this stuff. So we ended up doing a live, a live album in his apartment huh. and, uh, I invited a bunch of my friends and, and they brought their friends and we recorded a whole live album with the live audience. And that was super cool. And that was kind of like my, my business card for the next few years to give to people. And then through that, I met another guy 
who ended up being my publisher, and we, we recorded a studio album together. And that was in 2014. I think we completed that. So it's been a minute. But yeah, so that was really, really great. I got to do a Nashville studio album, and it was super educational for me. <laughs> I learned a lot, a lot of stuff. And yeah, there's just so many amazing musicians in Nashville. It's, it's truly remarkable how many people have dedicated their life to becoming super proficient at an instrument or a craft. So it's, it's cool. It's just cool to see all that. Sounds like Nashville is one of those, I mean, I've been there before and it's, it is amazing to see the, the amount of music, but from somebody who just enjoys things versus more of a professional level like you, I'm sure it was a different experience when you hear the the different level of writing that you are experiencing say at the at the bluebird cafe or being around some of those other folks um and just i don't know is it an environment where everybody lifts each other up i think so i'm sure there's different corners of the community where maybe it doesn't feel that way but my experience was that uh it's like it's seeing you know when you see somebody who's better at you in something, you can either be mad at them <laughs> or you can be like uh, appreciative of their talent and try to learn from it. So yeah, I mean, everywhere you turn, there's somebody doing something amazing. It seems like mm. it can be daunting for sure. I think maybe you go through some bouts of uh, depression because of it, maybe thinking, what am I doing here? You know, everybody's so good, but um, I think we all have something unique to offer. So I, I try and come back to that thought. Have you ever done some soul searching and figured out what it is that you have to offer? What it is your purpose or why is in this, in the world of music? Yeah, I think I'm in that place now, actually. I think I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe to transition away from Nashville, the, the, the other side of Nashville is, you know, all the music, everything you go experience is generally in a bar. So there's a lot of drinking and there's a lot of kind of that side of life that obviously you don't have to partake in. But for me, I definitely partook in all that. And when I left, I decided to quit drinking. So I've been five years now without drinking. And I think I just needed to hit a reset button. And so, yeah, I think I'm in that phase right now, trying to still trying to recover in a way and redefine myself and figure out what my voice is as a, as somebody who's just sober. So I don't know. I don't have an answer in terms of, I haven't found the answer yet, but I'm trying. <laughs> well, you're doing it clearly, you know, yeah. you're not in a bottle each night. <laughs> right. Let's say. Yeah. I'm sure it's a lot of peer pressure in a, in a town like that. Yeah. I mean, I think most people are just doing their own thing and you get wrapped up into it. Not, not so much like, Hey, you got to drink with us, but I mean, you know, rock and roll music, long been associated with alcohol and partying and all that stuff. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of people too, who go the other way. I think, especially now, nowadays, there's a lot more people trying to pursue mindfulness and consciousness and being present maybe than there have been in the past. That's just my opinion. I don't know if that's true or not, but. Is, is that something that you would say that you practice, uh, mindfulness and. Yeah. I'm a novice meditation practicer. <laughs> I as well. So, okay, <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of challenging, but rewarding. Do you, do you find it rewarding? I, I do. My mind and thoughts are always going so fast and bouncing around mm-hmm. 
like a pinball that yeah. it's that one moment during the day where I can calm my thoughts or I might not clear them all, calm them all, but I'm working on it. Totally. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. <laughs> yeah. But you only get better at it if you practice it. If... Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being in Jackson now, how has this community influenced where you are now in your in your life and your career? Well, I think it's because it's a challenging community to survive in. I'm trying not to be complacent and I I want to, you know, I want to become independent again. I think when I was younger, I was independent because I didn't have anything. You know, I was broke and I didn't need much. Um, now I have a wife and working on a family. And I think this community, I mean, it lights a fire under you a little bit. Like you got to figure things out. How are you going to make money? And for me, my goal has always been to do that with music. So I write a lot of songs. I'm trying to get better at songwriting. And I would love to have some songs that were known on the world stage. It's a tall task, but a guy can dream, you know? And yeah, I think professionally, just trying to become a better musician, this community has, has helped me with that, I think. A lot of opportunity to play here, so. Let's take a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors. And I want to learn more about how the community has helped you fulfill what your dreams are. All right, cool. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,662 tons of food waste are disposed of in the trash in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve the county's goal to reduce, aiming for zero waste. For more information on Teton County, ISWR's residential and commercial food waste programs, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle. Change begins with each of us, one day at a time. Isaac, welcome back. We're talking about how Jackson is a challenging community and you're working on making a go at being a musician, songwriter as your full-time providing income source because you have a family now and working on a family, married. And um, you said Jackson can challenge you and provide you with different opportunities. What are some of those challenges that you as a, in the musical world, singer songwriter world have experienced? Mm, well, I'd say the, the music opportunities in Jackson are more for playing at weddings and corporate events, playing in the bars. So you're entertaining people and trying to find the right vibe for a room. I've learned a lot about that in the last six years, you know, and, and also transitioning from being a performer of my own songs, trying to perform them for me to being more of like a jukebox where I'm just trying to set the right, the right mood for people and not necessarily draw too much attention to myself. That's been a good challenge. Uh, I think it's been helpful for me to, I think before I was really nervous a lot when I performed and now I, I'm not so nervous. I, I'm a little disconnected from the result of the audience response, which has been a good thing. I think for me, it's, I'm learning more to perform for myself rather than perform for some kind of result. So that's one way 
I think performing here around Jackson has helped me grow as a musician. What do you think moved you from performing for the audience, you know, their response to performing for yourself? A little bit necessity. Also, you know, when you, when you play a song here in these environments and you're there for the, for the people, they're not necessarily there for you. You know, they didn't show up and buy a ticket to come see you specifically play. It's more that you were hired to provide some ambiance for their party. Uh huh. And, and when you sing a song and like nobody clapped or when I was younger, uh, it would, it would like kill me to my core. Like, oh God, I suck. I'm terrible. But what you realize is no, people are actually just sort of in their own world and they're, you know, they're not thinking about you. They're just trying to have a good time with their friends. And so I think tra- that transition of realizing it's not all about me when I'm performing, it's, it's about all of us together. And I'm here for them as a more of a, a service than a performance. I think that's what helped me just going through that. You know, just thinking about how you made that transition that you're there to, you know, provide the ambiance and no longer frustrated if nobody applauds for, for a song. Was that a grounding experience for you? Yeah, definitely. I, it's just taught me a lot about myself and, you know, the ego and am I, am I performing just to get a positive response from people or am I doing it because it means something to me individually? And I, I think, yeah, I had to be honest with myself. I think a lot about it, even when I'm performing, like trying to uh, stay grounded and not focus too much on my own personal, maybe egoistic desire to be acknowledged. Yeah. So it's super grounding, I would say humbling. Hmm. Yeah. And, but in a good way. When you have a, a schedule, what is your schedule in life look like for work when, well, when you're performing? It's, it's gotta be different than somebody who's got a eight to five job. Yeah. Well, actually I have one of those too. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do a lot. I mean, it's Jackson. So a lot of people have, have to be multifaceted to survive, but yeah, what I got, when I moved back here, I got a job as a property manager for Teton science schools. So I'm basically like a, a handyman type person. So a typical day for me in the summer will. You know, I'll bring sometimes three changes of clothes. I show up to work at seven and then work till three and then I'll change and I'll drive to whatever event I'm playing at and set up, play for three hours or four hours and then, you know, clean up everything, get home around 10 and then sometimes do it all again or do it three or four times in a week. Yeah. So it can be a lot, but it's, it's super full, full days, fulfilling, fun, and it's good to be busy. I'm grateful for that. And then something we haven't talked about is I also, I coached high school basketball for the last five years as well. Oh, really? So sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my other passion. I'm a huge, I'm a basketball nut. I, I love basketball. I'm an addict of basketball, I would say. So yeah, so it's a, it's a lot. I like it. What does being a basketball nut look like? <laughs> like when I travel anywhere, Anywhere I go, I call every single gym in that city and try and find a pickup basketball game on the days I'll be there like that. I watch a lot of college basketball. I, you know, right now I'm watching the NBA playoffs. Uh, here in Jackson, uh, we have a really good crew of basketball players. Uh, we play three days a week. I wish it was more, but three days is good. So yeah, it's just, you know, it's a community 
basketball. It's similar to a music community. It's just different. What do you get out of when you're coaching those high school students or when you were coaching those high school students? I mean, it's really challenging to take the knowledge you've assimilated as a player and put it into words to express to somebody else. That that was my main challenge with it. It still is, I think, because I can understand everything perfectly just by doing it. But communicating that to somebody else who's younger and more inexperienced is a great challenge. But I, I loved it. I mean, it's it's fun. And then to see the kids grow and to be a mentor, to be there for them, not just for basketball stuff, but life stuff. I mean, high school's hard. We all remember it. It's, it's, you go through a lot of things. So it's cool to be a big brother in that way and give back a little bit to the community. So super rewarding, I'd say. That's awesome. Were you happy with the outcome of the NCAA uh, championship this year? I was, yeah. I thought, it was, I thought it was an amazing tournament, full of twists and turns. How about you? I kept up with it for a little bit. I was amazed. I went to Alabama. I'm in oh, no, I'm sorry. Alabama, <laughs> and I was blown away at how far that team made it. Uh, they were good. I did not follow them through the season, and then I think it was close to the playoffs. People, Somebody said to me, yeah, I'll bet your, your Bama team's doing well. They're number one. It's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? Who yeah. would have thought? But myself and many others picked them to win the, the national championship, you know? I, um, I think a lot of people, a few people did pick them. I yeah. I would say not many people picked who won the national championship. Yeah, not as many, no. Except maybe a few of their diehard fans. Yeah, they were a good sleeper team, UConn. But uh, yeah, definitely unexpected, I'd say. So what's what's on the, the dream list of <laughs> what you want to accomplish, Isaac? Well, I'd like to release some more music. I haven't released an album since 2014. I've released a few singles. So yeah, I have a bunch of songs that I'm trying to wrap up and find a cohesive unit put out there in the world. I'd also like to be more prolific in what I release. I tend to hold things pretty tight and not put them out there. So that's a goal of mine to let go a little bit. And then, yeah, I got some other things up the sleeve that if we ever talk again, maybe I'd tell you about, but are still in the works and yeah trying to build a family with my wife or just become a better person that's it right now and you were talking to somebody who was bouncing around from colleges playing on the music circuit and saying that they were going to go and be a musician and record an album or reflecting back and seeing yourself you know 20 years ago what would what would you tell that person now i would probably say to trust yourself, to trust your gut and go with your spirit. I was surrounded by a lot of really amazing musicians and music minds. And there was, I mean, it's a fine line between taking the advice and then knowing what you want. That was, I guess that was just something I had to go through. Maybe everybody's got to go through that. But yeah, I wish sometimes I would have voiced my opinion a little bit stronger and, and pushed for the things that I wanted a little bit more. I wouldn't know that unless I'd gone through that experience. So maybe everybody does. I, that, that'd be my advice. Just trust yourself. Believe in your your inner quiet voice. Got something good to say. I think that's great advice, Isaac. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And how can people find your album and some of those singles that you've put out? Uh, you can find them on Spotify. Uh-huh. My website's just IsaacHaydenMusic.com. And there's a bunch of different links and videos there as well. But yeah. 
and I'm on Instagram and those things, but it's all on my website. So it's awesome. Yeah. Reach, reach out, say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Well, Isaac, I appreciate you taking time to sit down and talk with me today and share some background of who you are and let us all get to know you a little bit more. And it's been awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Stefan. It's really cool. I'll keep listening. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Okay. Bye. To learn more about the music of Isaac Hayden, visit the Jackson Hole Connection.com episode number 242. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Get out and share this podcast with your friends and families, Instagram and Facebook. If you know of somebody who would like to be a guest, send us their name. We'd love to have them. Take care, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.